All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. I assume, from judging by the reaction to the Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio conversation, that I've got a few new people out there listening. Welcome aboard. How are you doing? Do you want to introduce yourself to the rest of the people? Do you want to stand up and, and say your name and maybe where you come from and, uh, uh, you know, what you do? And, and, and if it's appropriate, you can, uh, you can name your disease. I have a fairly sort of intimate and, and, and fairly deep relationship with uh, a lot of my listeners, and I like to check in. So, so I just want to make sure you guys are okay and you're comfortable. Now I'm going to talk to some of the other people that, that I listen all the time. Hey, did you get that thing fixed on your car? How's that? Uh, how did you guys did you guys make up or what? What now? What was the fight about? Did you hear back from the doctor? Is that thing going to be all right? How long are you going to be on the uh, crutches? How did you get the flu? Seriously, didn't you get vaccinated? You're not one of those people, are you? Your hair looks very nice today. All right, see, that's the kind of thing. Now you know you may not have heard the answers, but they're there. And uh, again, welcome. Uh, you can all sit down now. I appreciate you being here. I got to be honest with you. The response to that episode was fairly massive, and I did not expect it. Uh, today on the show, Joe Montagna is here, and you know him from being Joe Montagna. He's on the CBS show Criminal Minds, which is on its 15th and final season. But he's been in a lot of things. A lot of people only know him from The Simpsons, and I didn't even know him from The Simpsons. I just remember from his movie work. Uh, early on with David Mamet and whatnot. But, you know, always struck me as a nice guy, solid guy, grounded dude. And uh, when the opportunity came up to talk to him, I was very happy to do that, and it turned out to be great. I have to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, rein, I'm reinvigorated. Since I've last talked to you, I left Los Angeles. I went to Atlanta on Sunday, and I worked on Respect, the Aretha Franklin movie, for two days. Came back yesterday. Then I'm going to go back out there on Sunday. And uh, somewhere along the line, I got a fucking cold. But what I was talking about before is these conversations I've been having, like for me to not have any perspective about myself and what was really happening there with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, it just tells me that there's some parts of me that just are unchanging and there's nothing. I guess there's things I can do about it. I don't know. There's definitely some things that are unchanging. I know I've gotten better at doing this and I know that I've done it for a long time, but every time I talk to somebody, I'm still freaked out. And then when it's good, I'm amazed. But the fact that I walked out of that and so many people enjoyed it so much and I had no fucking idea what I got, I was having a good time, but I was a lot was going on in my mind. And, and that ended up being one of the reasons it was so good. So do you change that? My fucking neck, I'm telling you. These physical things, man, I mean, my chest tightened up on me, man. Uh, you know, last week it's been in and out. And when I get stressed out, when I get panicked or scared or whatever it is, and it could, and it's hard for me to track it, but like, and this has happened my entire life, my chest just tightens up. It feels like someone's stepping on it. And for some reason this time, like, and it's happened before, I was just like, well, I'm 56. I mean, this could be it. I don't think it's a hard thing. Maybe my lungs are shot. Maybe I got cancer. Whatever it is, why should I assume I'm okay? And that just compounds the stress. And clearly it was about, you know, doing the movie again because I had the issue with the movie before where, 
you know, it's it's a big deal to do a bigger part in a movie for me with a bunch of people that, you know, at, you know, at the level I'm doing it at. And I guess, like, I just, the nerves and the dread just kind of tightened me up. But I, when I got on set two days ago, it just it all went away and I got eased back into it. Got in makeup, got the hair done, became Jerry Wexler, got my uh, my New York accent on, and did the work. And I think one of the reasons I got a cold is that everybody was smoking those fake cigarettes, man. I mean, like, all day long. All day. No reprieve. I wasn't even smoking them. I'm inhaling it. I'm like, fucking mess. So we were shooting the recording of uh, Never Loved a Man. Aretha's first big song, and they rebuilt or they recreated the Muscle Shoals studio, and that was the set, and it was pretty fucking exciting because they got the instruments right, they got the outfits right. You know, I was in the booth, uh, Jennifer was on at the piano, and they they got guys playing the musicians, a guy playing Spooner Oldham, uh, a guy playing all of them, and I was primarily working with this guy mike watford who was playing rick hall the owner of muscle shoals studios and i had a contentious relationship with him jerry wexler did so there was a lot of we did a lot of work together a lot of scenes together a lot of uh, arguments and it was uh it was pretty great man i i gotta be honest and having marlon wayans around uh who i i work he's there too he plays uh, uh ted who is um aretha's husband to be in the scene for that long and to do the scenes over and over again, I really got the feeling of both what is tedious about acting in movies, but also what's amazing about it is you really get into this other zone. It was like time travel and you're doing the song and you're locking in and there's one scene where me and and Mike and uh, and Marlon and the dude who's playing uh, Tom Dowd and we're in the booth all day and there's like scenes where we just have to listen. That it's just, they're just shooting us listening to this song unfold, to hearing... Aretha Franklin become Aretha Franklin during the song that it happened on. And uh, it's intense work, man. <laughs> it's intense work to listen intensely and have that experience of revelation every time. But nonetheless, a lot of laughs in the sense, not not on screen, but off. Uh, I was cracking Marlon up, man. And it, it was fun. I'm going to admit to you. It was fun. And I got a cold and I ate the craft. The, the catering was nuts. I, that's why I can't. That's why I had to come home. I think I could have stayed there for four days, but um, I can't. I can't do it, man. They changed the caterers in the first day. There was steak and lobster, bread pudding, four kinds of ice cream. Are you fucking kidding me? The next day, Marlon's giving me cookies because he thinks it's he thinks it's funny because I eat and hate myself for eating. I I don't know, man. So midway through this recreating this recording session, I'm told that Spooner Oldham and uh, Rick Hall's wife, Widow, and uh, Dave Hood, bass player and trombone player, Patterson Hood's dad, one of the original Muscle Shoals guys, they're there. They're hanging out. They're watching. And the producer of the movie comes in and says, they're like, oh my God, that's Jerry. He's doing it. That's Jerry. He's, He's nailing it. So that was a nice little ego boost that was a nice little moment to have and to meet spooner oldham and 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 dave hood it was great i mean I, i've interviewed patterson but it was great to to talk to those guys spooner's not not a big talker 
And uh, I ran into him back at the hotel. Actually, he's got to be almost. He's got to be in his eighties. And we went up to the ele- we went up in the elevator together. I said, "Yeah, it's very exhausting to be uh, Jerry Wexler all day." And and Spooner goes, "Well, it was very exhausting to be around him too, <laughs> even for ten minutes." <laughs> And I'm like, all right, I know that guy. I think I might be that guy. Or I have that guy in me, that's for sure. But it was definitely an honor to meet those cats. And also to work with uh, Mike Watford was uh, it was great. All right, so there you go. That's what's happening. So Joe Montagna is uh, on the CBS show Criminal Minds. It's on its 15th and final season. It airs Wednesday nights, and it's streaming on CBS All Access. The two-hour series finale is on February 19th. You may know him from his other work, many movies. Plays, uh, I think, what is it, Fat Tony on The Simpsons. But this is a conversation I have. I've had uh, great uh, great talks with some of these older actors lately, and it's uh, making me, um, it's making me, it's reinvigorating me and my job here in my house. And also, I uh, got the rug out in the new garage, and I put the curtains up, so we're probably going to make the move back out there very soon. Not that you'll be able to notice, but uh, we'll be back in the garage for the new year. All right, this is me talking to Joe Montagna. So wait, so yeah. the Lenny Bruce, who's the guy playing Lenny Bruce? Lenny Marmo. And he, he wrote lo- it. He wrote it. He performs it. What's known it called? It for many years. It's called I'm Not a Comedian, I'm Lenny Bruce. Okay. It's a one-man show. How do you know the guy? Ronnie came to me about 20 years ago. He started a theater company out yeah. here called 68 Cent Theaters from New York. Yeah. Grew up in New York. Came out here, started this theater company. He, he basically got a script to me somehow 20 years ago saying, I wrote this movie. I've always thought of you playing this one little part. It would be like one day yeah. type of thing. Right. And I you get that shit. But anyway, yeah. so anyway I, I read it and I go, you know what? I liked his 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 chutzpah, you know. Yeah, I liked right. his moxie just yeah. to try to get to me. Yeah. So I met with the guy. Yeah. I liked him. He seemed like a New York version of me. And I wound up doing the movie, bottom line. But but I, I learned to like to really like the guy because like I said he has this theater company sixty eight cent theater and it's really the reason it's called that is when he moved out here to L A he had sixty eight cents in his pocket and yeah. all he wanted to do was theater and he's been doing it yeah so then I directed a play he had the series of John Shanling plays mm-hmm. and he did like fifteen of them right like all at once I could yeah. you know and it's, I mean he thinks big so I directed one of them at at the place at his theater anyway he came to me he's obsessed with Lenny Bruce sure because he had done this other play written by somebody else years ago. Yeah. And he did it, and he, he liked the play, but he, he'd done so much more research on it, and he went to the playwright and said, you know what, I really think if you had this, 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 and the guy says, no, 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 I wrote my play. You right. want to do that? Write yeah. your own. Right. And he did. He wrote his own Lenny so Bruce play. he wrote play. his own Lenny Bruce play. And, it's, and, and so he came to me with it. He says, Joe, I like it. Just, would you be interested in directing it? I says, well, let me see what you got. I said, yeah. oh, so he stood up in front of me, and for and it's, it's like 90 minutes. He just did this 90-minute basic and it's not just, it's, it's maybe 30% his bits. It's, right. it's his life right. from beginning to end. And so he's that. telling the story of tells his life. Tells the story of his life, yeah. incorporating the bits as well. So when he was done, I said, I said, yeah, okay. I, 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 you know, I'm a believer of it. If it's on the page, it's on the stage. Yeah. And I just thought he'd done a wonderful job of writing it and performing it. I said, yeah, no, no, let me do my voodoo, yeah. which is, you know, move stuff around, change it, give it a whole beginning, this, this, this. But it's essentially a one-man show. One-man show? We opened in L.A. We did, we ran like eleven months here. We then we took it to New York off Broadway yeah. and nine months there. Now it's in Chicago and it's doing great. We opened uh, in October. 
Uh, it's just been extended into January. No kidding. Yeah, and and which theater? It's at the Royal George oh, in okay. Chicago. Request from Steppenwolf Theater for people from Chicago. How many Chicago. seats is that Royal George? It's uh, about 180. Oh, and they're, and it's, they're packing out. They're packing doing, out. It's no doing kidding. great, and it's. Kitty yeah. has been such a huge supporter, Kitty Bruce. Yeah. Because she says it's the only time a portrayal of her father that she's kind of bought into. Yeah. Oh, and really? And all sort of material, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, we've had great... Uh, Eric Idle came and saw it, uh, Billy Crystal, Bonnie Hunt. We've had great, great... No kidding. Yeah, it's been really great. So, oh, I got to see it. Yeah, oh, I'd love you to see it. He's done over like 250 performances. I guess I don't know why the hell I, I, I swept on it when I was here. It'll be back because whenever we, whenever we change venues... Yeah. I, we bring it back here. I tune it up a little bit. Sometimes I add a little something, tweak it a little bit. Well, like when you do, when you see that, like, so you directed this version, mm-hmm. right? So when you see it, what 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 are your instincts around it immediately? Like when when you look at a, a guy doing a one man show, he's playing Lenny Bruce. It's a character, right? As a director, what do you what do you think has to happen? For me, it's just like I I saw him do what he had, yeah. And then I start to sometimes visualize things within that of like. All right, for an example, when he yeah. did it for me, he opened it up with a bit. Right. And it just like one, in fact, one of his more controversial bits, which is the N-word bit. Yeah. Which is a lot of people are familiar with. Right. So he opened with that. So it's the Where he calls everybody the name. Yeah. Right, basically, right, right. Is that our enemy? Mix. Yeah. And then in the house. And then it goes on. Mix, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he opens with that. So then we finished doing the monologue, not a monologue, but we did his version of this show of his, I said. I said, why do you open with that? He goes, well, I want to grab him right away, shock him. I says, oh, yeah, yeah. you're shocking him already. He says, you open with that. For, you're going to have half the people might walk out. They'll start yelling it because they don't know you. They yeah, don't know nothing. Right. They're reeling from it. They're reeling from it. Yeah. But one line he did, did say in yeah. that piece, he says, "How he, he says, I always found dead on the, naked on the toilet. Oh, wow. And I went, that's triggered something in my yeah, head. Yeah. I said, how do you feel about getting naked? Yeah. He goes, what are you talking about? Yeah. I says, that's how we opened the On play. the floor? I says, no, on a toilet. He, but he, wasn't he on the floor? Well, this is where Kitty helped. Oh. Kitty gave us information. Uh. Kitty's story is that not only the way they found him is they put him, propped him back up on the toilet, stuck a needle in his arm that the coppers did this because oh. they all hated him anyway. Right. They, oh, they've been busting him so many right. times. He's a junkie. He's dead on the floor. Right. Well, let's really show him something. So okay. that the pictures they took were him on the toilet with a needle in his arm. Huh. So he made, and I actually heard those lapse tapes he made before yeah. he died. When, when he was doing, basically reading from the court hearing. Yeah, because yeah. I did the play Lenny, the one by Julian Berry, right. back in 1973 in Chicago. Really? I, I understudied Lenny, yeah, in Chicago. That's why another reason I had attraction. Is to that what the movie's from? Yeah, that's what the movie's based on. Be, yeah, so you did it before the movie? Way, yeah, way before the movie. Oh, wow. So you played Lenny Bruce. I understudied Lenny. Yeah. I was in the cast doing other okay, parts, okay. and I never went on as the okay, understudy, but okay. I did understudy the lead role, which okay. forced me to know the material. Right. You know. Did you ever see Lenny? The real Lenny? Yeah. No, but I remember being in Chicago when he was there, and you know, I was too young. I mean, right, I was yeah. like 16, and he was playing at the, like the Gatorhorn or maybe, or, or Mr. Kelly's or whatever. Right, Mr. Kelly's. This is where, you know, Mort Saul was. Right, I think I Shelley talked to Berman Shelley Berman and, about and it. Right, Shelley guys. Berman, yeah. It was an institution in Chicago. For I, I remember seeing, I was doing the play Hair there in 1969. Oh, shit. And we went at to Mr. See, Kelly's? No, no, the, no, 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 at the Schubert Theater. But we went to Mr. Kelly's because the our, the guy in our cast, Michael Federer, was dating Bette Midler at the time, and Bette was opening for Dick Sean. 
Wow. So she was just the opening act. Yeah. So we all went to see her because she was Michael's girlfriend, you know. So yeah. we all go see her. And then she became a good pal of ours. Support so. the friends. Yeah, support the friends. Yeah. And it was funny is after the show, she's telling us, she goes, I'm thinking of adding girls to the show, like having these things, we'll call them the harlots. Yeah. And I'm and me, smart me, I'm saying to her, no, nah, Beth, that's stupid. You don't need it. You really got so much. What do you want to split the money for you don't need three <laughs> girls behind you right but she wound up hiring two of the girls from our cast uh ula hedwig and charlotte crosley to be the original harlots and then and was, andre de shields who just won the tony this year who was in our company yeah he he choreographed them and yeah. I, I said well okay you want to do that Go yeah. ahead. of course it was, it was a great a idea yeah, yeah yeah and then her piano player was was barry manilow at the time right, and right. she let him do like a song or two and right. you know stuff like that isn't that wild yeah i mean but you know i'm 72 years old I, you know this is like part of my you know, so let's, well, go, let's go, go back. Like you grew up in Chicago. Yeah, from the, you were born there. Everything born there. Everything. Oh, the old man, your mom, everyone. Everybody. From Chicago. Yeah. Well, they. My dad was born in Oklahoma because my grandfather came over from Sicily. That's an interesting went to, story. Went to Oklahoma. You know what it was is, and I think they all came from this one town. There's a town in Sicily called Calishabetta, which is as big as this room. Yeah. They must have found out in the early 1900s that there was this coal mine huh. in Krebs, Oklahoma. Wow. And that if you went there and worked in the coal mines, you could make enough money to buy land because that the Indians, yeah. the Native Americans, because it wasn't even a state yet, right. would sell you the land. Huh. And it, I was at the town in Sicily, Kalashabetha. Yeah. The only thing you can grow there is old. Right. Because it's a, it's all rock. It's <laughs> yeah, the top yeah, of yeah, a mountain. Yeah. You know, everybody's buried in mausoleum because yeah. it's rock. Yeah. So I'm sure my grandfather, among other Sicilians of the time, said, land, yeah. 50 acres we can get? I'm I'm in. So so you go there today, but, which I've been there. Where'd the racket start, though? Who, who, who? One guy must have stumbled on it. Who knows? Yeah. And he called his buddies and said, hey, you know, Luigi, Angelo, yeah, yeah. let's go. So they show up. My grandfather worked in a coal mine. My brother's in all this, so that's where I got all the information. Oh, we, he we did have, the research? We, yeah, did all, and we, we have the deed. The, we still own the farm. No. Oh, I swear to God. In Oklahoma? In Oklahoma. You go there, the sign says Krebs, Oklahoma's Little Italy, because <laughs> they're still settled by the remnants of those people. No kidding. The farms. Yeah, they're all like, like, like there's us, the Randazzos are the farm next door. Ba, 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 what ba, are they ba, growing? Old? No, I don't know. They, they, no, they're growing there. They grow what they grow. Yeah. I mean, but my grand. We. St I'll show you pictures it's later. Property. I'll show you pictures. Of yeah. I'll show you my grandfather's gravestone. It's all in Italian. He's buried there. In Krebs. And well, he's buried in in Henrietta, which is the town. Oklahoma. Krebs is so little. Oklahoma. So they go. They work the mines. They work the mines. He worked there for five years. Yeah. Saved a hundred dollars a year. And after five years, he had five hundred dollars because we got the bill of sale. I got all of this. My brother got all it's of crazy. this. Crazy. Five hundred dollars. The Indians sold you the land for five hundred dollars, fifty acres. So it was true. All true. My <laughs> grandfather built the house. He even used he used rails from the. They must have snatched them at night. I mean, like the metal rails from the train. Yeah. He uses those like a support beams in the house. Okay. So they built this house. This, my dad was born in that house. It's still there, the house. It's it's it got hit by a tornado, and so it's it's flat. It's but just the, the rails. But the remnants, no, yeah, no, yeah. The, the remnants are there. You can still looks like a house, but it looks like a house like like from Wizard of Oz. Like, oh yeah, like a flattened. Right. <laughs> but I was there, and I and I got. I'll show you. I'll show you later. I, show, I got yeah. pictures of me standing on the rubble and all yeah. that. Ba, 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 and, and with the Randazzo family, I interviewed because I do a show on the Outdoor Channel. I've been doing a show for nine years yeah. called Gun Stories, which is not as ominous as it sounds. It's, right. it's about the history of firearms throughout the history of the planet Earth. Was that your idea? No. These, hosting it? Outdoor Channel's idea, yeah. and it came to me, and I used to host it. It seemed like yeah. fun because I, sure. I used to shoot competitively years ago. You did? Yeah. 
Huh. No big deal. But you anyway. get to travel too, right? Yeah, I'll go to Italy, I've been yeah. to Germany, been all for these the show. Places. For the show. Oh. Yeah, but one of the one of the episodes we did were the firearms of the immigrants. Uh-huh. And so when I told them this story, they said, Let's do that. So we shot the whole episode on my grandfather's farm in Krebs <laughs> and I shot his shotgun that nobody had shot since he shot it in like nineteen twenty two. Your brother had died. it? No, my cousin Johnny had it and he brought he brought it down from Oregon. How did he, he get her. it? I don't know. He he, 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 grabbed, he must have grabbed it. I mean he, he's bigger than the rest of us. I don't so, know. So you guys all spent time on that farm when you were kids? No, no I spent Nobody? no time on the farm. How the hell did he get the gun? <laughs> he got he somehow he must have got it because no, because my grandfather died on the farm. Uh, when my dad was only like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. So the whole family then moved to Chicago. My grandmother picked up all the kids. Yeah. She kept the, she was smart. The farm was paid for, obviously, so she kept it. But all the family moved to Chicago. Yeah. And that's why my only, you know, my only connection to Oklahoma is when my dad would tell me the stories of growing up there. And you knew your grandmother, though? Oh, yeah. I knew my yeah. grandmother. Yeah. My grandfather died before right. I was born, right. obviously. But, you know, it was kind of fascinating because my dad was really still- Oklahoma. I know, weird. Yeah. I know. And then when my father died, he died fairly young because he had tuberculosis. He was disabled most of his life. But in 1971, he passed away. I'm at the funeral. Now, I'm, now, now I'm doing the play here at that time. And I got to remember, all my only my only reference to Italian guys at this point are Chicago yeah. types. Chicago, right. New York, <laughs> Chicago, right. urban. Yeah. All of a sudden, I see these Tough two guys. guys walking up to the funeral home. Yeah. Dressed like cowboys. Right. They got the jeans, they got cowboy hats on, they got yeah. fur little vests. Yeah. And, but they're dark looking. They yeah. look like like they stepped out of Sergio Leone movie, right? right? Yeah. So they come up to me and go, how do you do? You, you tell us where Joe Montaigne's funeral is. And I'm like, what the hell? I said, cowboys who talk, like, you know, look like Italian, but they're talking. I said, I'm his son. He's, he's in here. Yeah. Well, you were your daddy's friends from Oklahoma. We knew him as a boy and we had heard he passed away. And I'm like... Oh my God! I mean, it was like it was like watching watching Martians, because here's these guys looking like Clint Eastwood, but yeah. and talking like that. But they're, they're, but their names are and this is Angelo and here's Guido and I'm like, holy, this is it's this crazy. Is not, not computing. It's wild, man. But anyway, that was my background with my dad. So the, but uh, so uh, how many kids in your family? Me personally, I got two daughters. No, it'd be like you. How many brothers? Oh, you just got? A br- my brother. One, uh, just the brother. two of you? Yeah, just the two of us. And he's older. He's eight years older. I had so, a brother. He, he died at birth though when I was five years old. I mean, I remember distinctly when that happened though, but because my do? mother only because my mother was pregnant, yeah. and I remember her going to the hospital saying she was going to come home like right. and that was all prepped like you're going to come home with a, oh, with a, a child, you yeah. know. And then when she came home and and I remember I remember she opened a the door. They were they didn't tell. I'm five years old and yeah, it was yeah. a long time ago. They don't tell you everything. Right, sure. So I opened up her coat because yeah. you know because she was she left so yeah, big. Yeah. And I saw she was like normal size. Yeah. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And then they kind of explained to me. Oh well, you know, it's oh. a, God took so and so away and oh. it's okay and so I didn't, you know. Oh, they must have been devastated. Deals. Yeah. Well, they were probably obviously devastated. Yeah. Five years old. What the hell yeah, do I yeah, know? You're like, like, okay, okay, your mom's normal size again. <laughs> on we yeah, go. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were growing up, like, what what did your dad do? He was an insurance man for a while, uh, but but he he only had part of one lung. When did he get the TB? Early? During World War II. He was only in his 20s, right after he married my mother and had, they had, they had my, my brother. My brother's uh-huh. eight years old. My brother was one years old. My dad's diagnosed, and, and they attributed it to the farm mm. because of his two older brothers had got it and also and died from it. And they said back then if you had... Something about the cattle, the cows. If oh, they really? had carried, the, if they carried in the, the, the milk is unpasteurized, uh, whatever that you yeah. can contract it. So my dad, they sent him to a sanitarium in New York, Mount yeah. McGregor, 
and he was at the sanitarium for like three years. Wow. They took the lung out, they took out part of the other lung, and they took out the ribs on that side. No kidding. When my dad took his shirt off, he looked like the letter S. It was like, like this. <laughs> I mean, he, he shouldn't have lived. Yeah, I mean, he really yeah, shouldn't have lived yeah. because he smoked like two packs a day. Still. He drank. Yeah. He was like... Uh, you know, yeah. but I thought like everybody's father must be like this. I yeah. mean, it never occurred to me that you know he was like a freak of nature. <laughs> yeah, but he finally he only lived to be fifty seven, and he had to and they, and they they put him on disability like in his forties. He just couldn't because he would always from the military. Breathe. No, no, he he missed the war because he was in the hospital oh, okay. for all of World War Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all, all my uncles were in the war, but he missed it because he was in the hospital. But when he got out. The the, uh, the insurance company. Oh. He worked as an insurance man for a yeah. while. Then they put him on disability because oh. he just couldn't handle it. Right. So he was in maybe mid forties, and Do he you... lived another like twelve. He lived to fifty seven years yeah. old, and then the smoking and the drinking. Forget about wow. it. Wow. So he grew up in that house full of cigarettes. Oh, the car is full of. I mean, you know, that was the thing, especially <laughs> in Chicago everywhere. in the winter. Those windows are up. Everywhere. It's like it's like sitting in a cloud, you know. <laughs> but that was the way it was. And your mom, she worked. She worked at Sears Roebuck, wrapped packages. Yeah, she always worked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She smoked too? No, no, she didn't smoke. She, my mother lived to be 101. 101? 101. You, you got a good, uh, that's good. I guess. Good I genes. mean, I guess so. She's, yeah. she's, she, was, she was a pisser, my mom. Yeah, she, she just passed away a couple of years ago. Was she uh, co- co- cogent all the way through? Pretty much. Near yeah. the end, she got a little shkangad, you know what we say. Yeah. You know, she's, in other words, she'd know who I was and my kids right. were and stuff, but if anybody else, she'd have to remind her, this is so, this is so-and-so, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but my mom was, I think what kept her alive partly is, she, 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 and that side of my family, my my mother's side, they're very much like they're they're the kind of Italians that are very like they're like Dean Martin, like hey, you know, everything's yeah. dandy, you know. Yeah. Or about the Sicilian side, my father's side, forget about it. Yeah, they get a little too, they get very nervous. Yeah, but my mother's side, <laughs> my mother, I don't think she knew what I did for a living, really. really? To tell you the truth, towards the end, or toward, toward all, all of it, toward all of it. <laughs> she, I mean, being an actor, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, my brother made a comment. Even when you were on TV, you couldn't oh, point. And- she figured out I'm on TV, but she figures that's maybe. Oh, well, okay, she, that's nice. I get to see him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but my brother at, at her funeral. This this was funny. At the yeah. funeral, my brother got up to speak. Yeah. We both did because he got up to speak first. And right. He says, he says, I got to say something about our mother. He says, she was so very simple in a lot of ways. She says, and my brother Joey, I don't think he even knows this, but when he got the TV series, and I got to remember, I'd been doing mostly theater, that yeah. stuff, and I did the movies once, you know, that. But you're talking about Criminal Minds? I'm talking about, yeah, yeah. When I, oh, yeah. When I got, like, when I got, was working regularly on the right, TV right. series, which she, she knew I'd been in plays, and she knew I'd been sure, in movies, sure. but she figured out, she'd always hear about it. But then she calls my brother, she goes, Ronnie, I'm worried about your brother Joey. And my brother goes, Why? She goes, he's only working an hour a week. She was dead serious because she figures now she figures oh, on Wednesdays at nine o'clock she's on CBS, but that's it. It's over at ten. Wow. How's he, he making doing a living? How yeah. can he make a living? <laughs> my brother's telling her, "No, it's okay, Ma. He's 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 doing fine. He's doing all right. He's doing fine." But that that was my mother. God bless her. Uh, what's what's your brother's racket? What did he end up doing? He wasn't insurance. Not insurance. He was uh, advertising for Montgomery Wards. Interesting for because uh, you know that was a real Chicago-based company. Like, what Montgomery Wards was? Mon- Monkey was, Wards. It's was, like it's like Sears Light. I no, mean, I don't remember Montgomery Ward. I remember, <laughs> yeah. and but Sears was in Chicago too. No, yeah, the original Sears, and we lived across the street from it for many years. The main the original Sears building, yeah, the Sears building on Holman and Arlington. I mean, it's the West Side ghetto right now, but 
But uh, back then it was, you know, it was all right. I think they they made build your own houses too at some point, didn't they? Sears, like you could buy a kit and build a house. I'm sure they did. <laughs> yeah. I, every, everything I owned was Sears. Sears. I mean, my underwear, my clothes, <laughs> my mom, anything. Because my mom worked there. She was right there. And she had profit sharing. And so, they give you that. So like when you were growing up in Chicago, I mean, what? Because I've grown to love Chicago. Like I, I, it's a great city. It's a real city. Like it's its own thing. Without question. And were you right downtown? What was the neighborhood? What oh, was no, 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 no. I grew up on the west side of the city, which is now really- Was that Italian? At the time, it was a lot of Italian. A lot of it was mixed, though. I mean, yeah. the one kid next door was Mexican here. There was Jewish here. There oh, was yeah. Irish here. It was mixed up. Yeah. Uh, then we moved to Cicero for that's where I went to high school. When I was Cicero, about, Cicero, Illinois, which is the, famous for Al Capone and all that stuff. It's, oh. it's that one town. It's just border Chicago on yeah. the southwest border. Yeah. You know? uh, and that's where I went to high school and junior college. But uh, but I grew up on the west side, and and the west side was. Uh, um, it's 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 it, it's pretty much it's pretty pretty depraved area right now. I mean, oh, it's yeah. Unfortunately, it's 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 pretty much you know Fallen you hear about it. a lot of the shootings that go on in Chicago. Yeah, a good percentage of them are happening. Oh, it's in around there. My old neighborhood. Yeah. And when you were growing up, did you did you know there was not a mob thing when you were growing up? Was there? I mean, well, or was that there, just a mythology? No, it's not a mythology. There was a mob thing, but but it wasn't. It's a mob thing, same way that the the the, the, the politician, the democratic uh, machine was a was a, was a, was a reality a too. Daily machine. Yeah, I think it all coexisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you always knew there was the there was the local politician, the precinct captain, who, yeah. who dealt with politically. Right. But there was. When you talk about mob, it was low level kind of stuff. And there was, I, I'd go to the barbershop with my dad. Right. And half the time, we're guys going in and out that are going into the back room to, to, to bookie, because there's a bookie joint. Sure. They're all yeah, making yeah. bets. Yeah. And then also, we had a party line on our phone. And I remember I'd pick it up sometimes and they'd say, Is bed bug there? And I go, Bed bug? Who the hell is bed bug? And I find out it was like my uncle. And he says, No, 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 that's, that's Uncle Willie's phone number. And you call, you get him the phone. So there were these things going around. Money would change hands and right. stuff. But it wasn't like, no, people weren't getting shot in the streets. Right. Was that none of that Al Capone crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but it existed. I mean, yeah, yeah especially growing up in Cicero, a lot of the, the kids I went to school with, their fathers were, oh, yeah. you know, like, hey, how come your dad's wearing cardigan sweaters at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday and my dad's selling insurance? Yeah. You know, I don't, what does he do? <laughs> uh, we don't know what he does. <laughs> so when did you start uh, getting involved with uh, acting? I mean, like, did you want to do it when you were a kid? Did you like movies? Uh, no, I didn't. You know, well, I, I still don't even really like movies. I love movies. I shouldn't say that, but what I mean is I'm not like a buff. I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of television. So it's not my idea of entertainment. Well, where were you headed? So where? my head was not in it at all. Yeah. But what it was is, it, it, honestly, God, what really triggered it was I saw the movie West Side Story yeah. as a kid. And when I saw it, I thought, Oh my God, I'm, I'm kind of like, this is not, not like I was living this life. I wasn't like in a gang yeah. fighting Puerto Ricans, but but yet I was in that urban lifestyle. I lived yeah. in an apartment all my life. Yeah. I never lived in a house. Yeah. So I, I loved the movie. It was like a fantasy to yeah. me. So what happened is I went to high school. I was a junior in high school. Now yeah. I got to understand, I, I didn't know, me being an actor was, you might as well said you want to be was a Martian. It, was it know? like the early 60s? Early 60s. Yeah. Like 62, 63. Yeah. And they had signs up in the high school saying auditions for West Side Story. And I look at the signs and I go, what are they talking about? I just, I've seen a movie maybe eight, nine times, but what are they talking about? And then I asked somebody and they go, well, that's a play. I go, what do you mean it's a play? It's a movie. They go, no, 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 no. The movie was based on a play. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, really? Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow. So I got in my head like, maybe that would be fun. I, I love this movie. Uh, you know, I, maybe I could do like one of the parts. Yeah. So I learned a song off the record. Right. I decided to go down and I go down with one of the guys. I was playing more, play, I played a lot of baseball then. I wasn't that good, but I played on a team. 
So I go with one of the good players from the team. He yeah. and I were going to go together because yeah. he liked the movie too. We get up to the theater up at the high school that night. And I didn't even know the little theater existed at that time. I walk in and there's all these kids in black. Right on campus. Yeah, right, right yeah. up in the, high, in the yeah. high school. But yeah. I didn't know the theater right, was right. there. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're wearing <laughs> leotards and stuff. It's the theater crowd. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, it was like watching people from another planet. <laughs> and a guy, Glenn, I love his name was Glenn So. He became a state's attorney or something later yeah. in Chicago. He looks at me, he goes, "I'm out. I'm not doing this. I'm out." <laughs> He takes off. So now I, I literally know nobody. This is your buddy you came with? He's like, yeah, the buddy I came with saw him out. He, saw the he, he, he saw, realized this is not for him. <laughs> but I had learned a song. I figured uh, at least I could do is go put, up and do put the Put the work in. Yeah, put the work <laughs> in. So I get up. I, I, I get on the stage. There's the floodlights are hitting me, the footlights. You know, it's a little theater, but yeah. and I can't see. Can't yeah. see who's out there. And I sing the song, and I get to the end. Maria. Yeah. And all of a sudden, here. Like clapping coming out of the darkness right. and it was like nobody had ever clapped for anything i had ever done in my life ever yeah. and I, now i'm hearing this clapping right so i go uh, that's it it was like a lightning bolt hit me in the chest i said i gotta i gotta recapture this moment somehow yeah, yeah. so that started it i mean I, I wound up not getting cast on the plate what do you mean have, no i was too that's a whole other story why i, I was a year I was in I was in school a year sooner than I should have been because my parents changed my birth certificate uh-huh. so I could because my mother needed to get back to work at Sears yeah. so they changed my birth certificate <laughs> when I started in kindergarten and never told me yeah. until I was sixteen <laughs> so I had my birthday I celebrated it for sixteen years on the wrong day so that's a whole other story <laughs> but anyway they didn't cast me because I was too small I was too but he liked my hoots but the, yeah. the teacher sure so so bottom line they they they, they saw I had this interest so he says well why don't you take a drama class and they put me in the drama class and I never looked back. Really? From, from literally that day, I said to myself, this is what I'm going to do. I want to do this for a living. I had no plan B. What the hell else am I going to do? Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, what are you, 16? 16. But I yeah. had no, I had no aspiration. I, I wasn't that good at anything else. Yeah. And I wasn't sure I was good at this, but I knew I liked it. So you just took drama classes and you started took doing plays? Took drama classes, started doing plays, and started do, do, being successful at it in high school, and then two, I went two years junior college. Yeah. Then I applied for the Goodman School of Drama, which was a pretty, in fact, Shelley Berman went there to school yeah. back then. It's a pretty, it, it became, now it's part of DePaul University. Uh-huh. Back then it was called the Goodman School of Drama. And then I tried out for the play Hair in what, 1969 and got cast and that started my professional What's What is what is the Goodman School of Drama? Like what would they, what was It was it? a famous, I mean it was famous at the time, act, luckily Chicago had this acting school. Yeah, yeah. It was in the Art Institute back right. then, in the Art Institute. I didn't have the money to go there, but what I did is I took a um, student, that you can take a government loan. Yeah. So I applied for the government loan. I got like two two grand. Yeah, and uh, I paid for the eight hundred bucks of tuition, and I think I bought my parents a television with the rest of the money. <laughs> yeah. and lived on and paid rent. You know, I was living with somebody at the time. Uh, and what they, kind of what did they teach you? They teach you well. I mean, to this day, it's like I said, now it's called the theater school at sure. DePaul University. Right. They teach you the basics. They teach yeah. you voice control. They teach you movement. They teach you, uh, <clears throat> you know, all the different stuff with, with acting, scene study. But is that the last time you studied? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, <I'm, laughs> you learn as you go. I mean, if, sure, look, of I've course. been in this professionally 50 years now. If I ain't got it down by now, it's too late. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I wanted I to just, play left field for the Cubs, but I think that ship has yeah, sailed. Yeah, you know? that's not going to happen for you? No, it's not going to happen. No, I, I just always wonder because I talk to actors and like, it just seems that a lot of it is something natural. It and is. Then, and then like, but you, a lot of people, they, they, they do that two years or they do the year, whatever. And most of the tools they got that really sort of got them grounded in it, that was it. Yeah. No, the, I found out as a turned out the best actors out of that school were the ones that usually either got kicked out, quit, whatever. Like who? They, uh, well, 
we didn't have a lot of big stars that came out of that school, to tell you the truth. <laughs> but I mean, but but as a rule, at least the ones I would run into as right. working actors, the ones that were serious about they it, got out. were the ones that were just like, you know, it's too academic for me. I got to go do it. You got to go work. And the ones that actually did it, they went on and got master's degrees on somewhere else. And perf- they, maybe they taught and stuff, but they didn't necessarily... Right, right, right. So what, what were you doing? Were you working during the school, or did you get a job? I was job? in a band. No. Yeah, I was in a band. I was like in a, a rock, rock band? Yeah, I was a rock band, and we, we actually did pretty well. In fact, to this day- What'd you play? I played bass guitar. I was the lead singer on bass guitar. Can you still play bass? Well, badly, yeah. yeah as but, bad as I did then. <laughs> Good but, enough to get by to. But, well, to this day, though, I'm very close to the band Chicago. Yeah, those guys. Because we used to tour with them when they were called the Missing Links. What was your name? What the was apoc- your band? The Apocryphals. Yeah. The drama teacher at my school came up with the name because- he 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 felt to support me. He supported my band. And, yeah, you know, kind of helped us out. So wait, so were you playing original songs or covers? No, or no, what? we were a good cover band. That's why we never got anywhere. But and we were a very good cover mid band. Mid to late six, so so mid sixties. Yeah, from my we from about sixty four to sixty nine. So you you were doing like you know psychedelic shit and the, we did whatever you wanted. Yeah. In other words, if it was a place they wanted psychedelic, we put on the paisley shirts and the mod stuff and combed <laughs> the hair that way. If we're going to a black neighborhood, we put on the white temptation suits uh-huh. that we bought on Maxwell Street. Come and on, we would do four tops. Really? I swear to God, we would. We're like whores. Well, yeah. you know whatever pay you pay the freight sure. we'll do what you want but that's why that's why I knew we weren't going to make it because the the guys the missing links yeah. they became Chicago right so you Chicago. knew those guys you knew Terry Kath oh, knew them all we absolutely knew them all to this day I know them all very, very well I sang with them about two years ago here at the Greek no they brought, yeah I swear to God they brought me up on stage to do one song for old time's sake you know just that's great oh no I love them They're, uh, Walter Perzader who's just left the band a sax player how many of the original guys are still in it Today, yeah, uh, I think only three. Would yeah, be, it would be uh, uh, Lee Lockley, the, the the trumpet player, yeah. um, Pankow, the trombone player, yeah. and um, and the keyboard player, uh, Bobby Lamb. Wow, Walter just left the sax player, but there were four. Like retired left. Yeah, well, I mean, these guys yeah, are yeah, all they're, they're older than me. Because, like, you know, there was sort of a resurgence around Terry. You know, and his oh, guitar playing, no. you know, Terry recently. was brilliant. Yeah, yeah he, was he was, brilliant. right? I mean, so Jimi Hendrix thought he was the best guitar player he'd ever heard. De- and, was, and he was depressive? No, not really. Terry was just, Terry was wild. I mean, Terry, I, I'm, this that whole thing, like, you know, he, some people say, oh, he killed himself. He didn't kill himself. He was fucking around. It was an accident. Oh, he, oh. he took the gun. He, 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 oh, that was it? Yeah, he put it up to his head. And it's, yeah, like thinking it was empty? And it, yeah, whatever it was. Oh, it's terrible. But, but he was... Uh, he, he was he was great, and when yeah. I when I first met him, he wasn't even the lead player. He was the bass player of that band, The Missing Links. Uh-huh. They had another guy playing lead, but they they kicked that guy and his father, who was the manager of that band, out. And that's <laughs> yeah. when they started the new group, Chicago, Chicago, which we thought they were nuts for doing because we were playing at a group a place called the Cheetah, yeah. Chicago, which is a very popular club. Right. So we're at the Cheetah. They came to see us on our break. And they said, "Hey, we're, we we busted up the band. We got rid of the the, the lead player and his father. Terry's going to play lead now. Yeah, we brought in a keyboard guy, and we brought in a trumpet, yeah. and we brought in a uh, trombone because yeah. they already had the sax. They already had Walter. They had Danny Seraphin, the drummer. Yeah. So we're saying, oh, so now you're going to go from four to seven guys. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> they leave, and we're thinking they're nuts. <laughs> yeah, right. Are they crazy? <laughs> Now, you, it's too many guys. We're, we're, we're trying to find ways to, to, to pay less. Like Jimi Hendrix had just coming out then yeah. with three guys. We're thinking everybody's every four every four piece band was thinking who could we cut out of the band <laughs> yeah. so we can make more dough. No, these guys are are up in their band to seven. Uh, 
But needless to say, their first album came out, and that's when I knew. When I heard that first album, I went, okay, I'm in the wrong racket. Right. I'm to steer myself no toward, shit. So, toward it, acting. Right, toward, so they because they were doing this R&B thing. This well, big, but yeah, they were section. doing original stuff. Yeah. But, but to tell you the truth, Early in their career, and this is not, this is honest to God truth. They would play. I remember there was one club called the Blue Village. It was another mm. very popular club in Westmont, Illinois. Mm-hmm. We were we were not we worked a lot because we were a good cover band. Like I said, yeah. we were off this particular Saturday for whatever reason. I get a call from the owner of Blue Village. He says, "This group, Chicago Transit Authority. Yeah, not they haven't hit their album hasn't right, come yeah. out yet. He says they're playing here. They refuse to play." Any songs that the kids want, they're playing all their own crap. <laughs> well, I'm throwing them out. Can you guys get down here to finish the night? And we did. Yeah. We packed up the truck. We went out there. And I will never forget to see them. I'm seeing them throwing their stuff in their truck. Yeah. And they weren't pissed at us. It wasn't, you know, they were yeah. just uh, pissed about the whole thing. And we said, oh, guys, we're sorry. Oh, man. It's, 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 yeah, well, these guys, they don't know what the hell they're missing. We're thinking, yeah, we're thinking, and we're thinking, one of these idiots going to just smarten up and start, <laughs> you know, start doing some temptation stuff and, you know, doing <laughs> Some, what the kids some, want. Yeah, do what the kids want. Come on. <laughs> you know, smart me, yeah. Well, that's hilarious. So so that's what you were doing while you were going to school. Playing. That's how I paid. Yeah, I did, we did well. I mean, I actually... You know, I made a living at it because we worked back then in the '60s. A lot of not a lot of venues. A lot of live music was big, right? You know, and it was it was before disco. It was uh, well, yeah, it was the fewer... '60s. It was way before disco. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, live dance clubs for teenagers was you play pretty... the rock and roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, could, you could literally we could work every weekend without without. Playing, you know, you're playing music. school dances and shit? You play proms, you play school dances, you play teen nightclubs. I yeah. Mean, you know, actually, you know, just uh, so, just clubs. That, so what, what made you hang that up? Well, I, well, I was doing both for a long time, and or a long time meaning through junior college and yeah. through my two years at the Goodman, yeah. and the weekends were open. Yeah. But then when I tried out for hair, I'd play hair, and yeah. got cast. That was my first professional job. Got where they offered me the job. Now I have to do eight shows a week, Whoa. and you can't. That means my weekends are. And you had gone. the long hair. You're all set. Yeah, I had the long hair. Yeah, yeah, I was I was halfway there anyway. Maybe, yeah, you know, I, I wound up letting it really go. What role? I started out in the tribe, which was basically one of the chorus, but I worked up to Burger, which is one of the lead roles, and yeah. I wound up doing that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And for then, how long? Uh, about a year and a half. Traveling with it? Yeah, I did. We did. We played Chicago for over a year, yeah. about a year and a half, and then we. Wow. And then so we toured for about. I actually toured. I would have kept touring, but actually, that's when my father died while I was on the road. I was in Pittsburgh, mm. and he died. And when I came in for the funeral, and I, I, I think I just realized, and I was, and I was the girl who was playing um, Jeannie at the time in the yeah. play, which is the pregnant character in the play. Right. Her and I were dating at the time, and she still we're still together fifty years later. Where she's my wife. Really? Hell yeah. So, that, so we stayed together. That's insane. But we congratulations. Both just, yeah, I mean, it's one of those freaky things. God bless us, you know. That's love. There's love for you, but I but I remember that when we came in for my dad's funeral, we went. So I took that week off from the play, and then when I went back to Pittsburgh, I realized the the bloom was off the rose. It was just like I, I've done this play enough. It's just like uh, a year and a half. Yeah, it was time to just move on. So I quit the play, and we quit together. And then, uh, but then, then I did Godspell shortly after that, and did that for. You had the hair, so you're set. Just and gonna... I grew it even longer. I played <laughs> Judas then, yeah. so I was like, you know. I kept thinking, well, where do I go next? And you did that in Chicago? Did that in Chicago, yeah. For how long was Godspell on? About a year. Wow. Yeah, at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago. So, I mean, I guess on some level you get some chops in place. You you know, you overcome a lot of fear. You do. Oh, you yeah. Know. No, no, it was great. I mean, I, by now I was, I was, in fact, now I was thinking, this is my, my, my career. I'm going to be 
a musical comedy actor. I'm yeah. going to be like a Jim Dale. I'm going to be the guy that goes to Broadway. I'll do, yeah. you know, I'll do the yeah. musicals. Right. And that's kind of what I thought would happen. Obviously, my career took a different turn well, again. What, what, when did that happen? Well, that happened right after Godspell. One of the guys that was had, I'd done hair with who was the, the actor Andre DeShields. Yeah. Who, like I said, won the Tony Award just this year for a play he's doing now. He was in a group called the Organic Theater in Chicago. Organic Theater. Organic that sounds theater. like some hippie shit. It was some hippie shit. Yeah. But it had some good people. And John Hurd was in that company. John Hurd's great. Yeah, John Hurd was in that Passed company. Away. His, exactly. His his sister, Cordis Hurd, was in the company. Um, Meshach Taylor, Dennis Franz. Oh, really? We, we all joined around the same time at that time. So you and Hurd and Franz were in it together? Yeah. Yeah. What's Franz up to? Franz, I just talked to him. He's... Uh, he he's golfing is basically what he's up to. God bless him. He did that the, as many I forgot what it was twelve thirteen years on NYPD. Yeah. Blue. The day that that show wrapped, he said, "Good night, <laughs> Mrs. Calabash. Wherever you are, I'll be on the golf course." <laughs> and uh, God bless him. That's Dennis. He he uh, he's done. So he's, he's good. He's he's ab- absolutely good. He's got three grandchildren. <laughs> he lives. He, he's living the life. He just like he was smart with his money, and that Abs- was the end of it. That's the end of it. Showed up in a couple of things, maybe. Absolutely. He did nothing after NYPD <laughs> Blue. Nothing. I could if I offered him. Th- Dennis, please do thirty seconds with me for a million dollars. He'd say, "No, nah, I don't do that anymore." <laughs> That's Dennis. Done. Done. No, but God bless him. I yeah. love that. I mean, if I had to pick three guys in the world to watch my back, yeah. it's him. He was a Vietnam vet, combat vet. So, yeah. I mean, Dennis is, he's one of those guys. He's, he's deep. I mean, he's deeper than you think. You so, know? Oh, no. It's, I could see that just by that character. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you could feel all of it. So, like, so you show up at the Organic Theater, and you and Hurd and Franz, you kind of get there at the same time. Well, so he came in. Hurd had already been there. And then, and actually, he then he left shortly thereafter because because he had been in this play called Warp that closed in New York, and then the, the, the organic came back to Chicago and regrouped. Wow. So John left, Dennis Franz and I. She must have Taylor, been fresh we, out of Vietnam, almost. Pretty much, because yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because he, he probably was out of Vietnam in about seventy one, seventy two, and this wow. was seventy three. Oh, so yeah. So he must have been intense as fuck. He, he you know, he, he yes and no. I mean, uh-huh. that's Dennis though, because Dennis was very good at kind of keeping it all under wraps. Uh-huh. And the only when I would press him, and I and I did a couple on times. stage. No, 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 no. In life, I'm in life. Just talk to him about it. Say, Dennis, tell me a little about. Yeah. And then, he, then, and reluctantly, he would tell me. And then I realized. Okay, I don't want to even go into this with this one now because I can see it's uncomfortable for him and uh-huh. it's, it's not a happy part of his life. But God bless him. He's 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 an this, this guy also collects Hummel dog, dolls and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> on the other hand, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's he, he's he's sweetheart. A, yeah, he's a real sweetheart. Uh, I love him to death. Well, I'm glad to hear he's doing all right. No, no, he's doing great. He's doing great. So what happens at Organic? Well, Organic, I did five years at the Organic, and it was a wonderful time because we did we, we did we did new stuff there. We created stuff. We did yeah. Kurt Vonnegut's. So uh, this is before Steppenwolf, like years before this Steppenwolf. This was this was a few years before. They were yeah. like the new kids on the block when they came in. I got to know them all very well as well. I'm very close to all of, all of them, which is ironic because the my, the play the Lenny Bruce play director is playing right across the street. From this, so you're you friends with the original Chicago. crew, the four or five? Of oh, them? very much. Gary, Sin- well, Gary Sinise, I'm very close Sinise. to Laurie Metcalf, Joan Allen, Malkovich, all of them, very close. John Maloney. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Maloney's yeah. gone. Sad. Yeah, no, mm. I know he was a great guy. I bet. But Gary, I mean, Gary and I, we've been hosting the National Memorial Day concert together. I've been, I've been. This will be my 19th year doing it. Hosting the National Memorial Day concert. Yeah, in oh. Washington D.C. Oh yeah, because he and I were both. Uh, we do a lot for the military, yeah. especially Gary. I'm yeah. one of his ambassadors. He's like, I mean, he picked up where Bob Hope left off. This yeah. guy does so much for the military. But, yeah, but yeah. anyway, 
Uh, but yeah, the organic was back then, early uh, early seventies uh-huh. in Chicago. They they had been kicked out of the University of Wisconsin because P- Stuart Gordon, who who created the organic, yeah. he had done this like nude version of Peter Pan <laughs> on the campus. It, was, it wasn't all nude, but I think Tiger Lily was nude <laughs> or something. And kids came with their parents. Exactly, and was, <laughs> but it was very experimental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we did all this original stuff. Uh-huh. We did we did we did the book of Huckleberry Finn parts one and two. We did the entire book based just on uh, Mark Twain's dialogue. Yeah, yeah. We did original plays like. Cops, uh, Bloody Bess, a pirate play, and then a play that I conceived called Bleacher Bums, which is about the, the people who sit in the bleachers at Wrigley Field oh, yeah. back when the Cubs were terrible. Yeah, And that became actually very successful. We did that off-Broadway, and to this day, they, 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 they tour it all around. And Bleacher Bums still going? Yeah. I mean, you know, as, as a, it's a very big summer stock show. Because and you wrote it? I conceived it and co-wrote it with the original cast. So you guys still get a little, little scratch? Oh, yeah, from I the- get, yeah. I get a couple hundred dollars every six months or something like that. Because That's we great. We split it up with all, all of us, but it's great. Is that the only play you wrote? Yeah, I'm, I don't fancy myself as a playwright. I, yeah. I can. I, I came up with the idea. I had this idea because I used to sit in the bleachers at Wrigley Field and used to look around me, thinking, "There's more. This this is this is more entertaining than the game." I mean, the Cubs yeah. kind of sucked in that time. Right. And I thought, "What's going on in the bleachers with the gambling and the this and the girls and the bup bup bup?" And it became a very uh, actually very must have been fun. Play. Like it must have been a local phenomenon. Oh, and yeah. then it just was. It had legs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not where they play. It, it gets. I, I get you know checks, residual checks from all over. You know, Samuel French, the publishing right, company, sure. will send me the checks and a list where it's been done. It'll be, you know, army bases in Guam will wow. do it in the summertime because it's a, it's a, fun it's a comedy. Show. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's lighthearted. You know, it's very lighthearted. So you learn, so you get a lot more chops there doing the intimate theater, I guess. You doing come out of the theater. musical. Exactly. Doing kind those, of putting your, your heart on the, right. on the line. Well, doing a lot of experimental stuff. And, and luckily for me, David Mamet, the, the writer, was kind of doing the same thing in Chicago at the same time with the with the group called the um, Wisdom, it was the Wisdom Bridge Theater, I believe it was called. And uh, I talked to him, you know. Did you? Uh, yeah. He, Which is, that's an accomplishment <laughs> in itself. You don't talk to everybody. He, but, we, uh, we did all right. You know, I kind of steered him. Yeah, he, I could see you and him getting along. No, we did fine. You know, it's just like, you know, he's one of those guys, he wants to push some buttons and I wasn't going to let him. There so like, I, I was able to kind of keep, keep him on my track. All yeah. right. All right. Yeah. Go, go, go for you. Yeah, because I know he's- metal. Well, yeah, I just love, because you can just, I, I know that, you know, I'm a Jew. I, I know that kind of Jew. He's a lawnsman. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he's coming at me with that stuff and I'm like, I know what you're doing. Not gonna, not, <laughs> you're not going to turn me- No, that's great. No, I see. I could see you two getting along. I really could. <laughs> he did all right. But I, no, but he's like, uh, I should have his picture hanging over my bed because yeah. he's like he's been like he's the guy he's been my guy i mean as it turned out so what happened so you're organic and he's at this what the what, what was it it was called the saint nicholas theater Company. right but, and, but th- he went on to do the atlantic but this is way before this is before atlantic so what happens with you and mammoth well what happens is he's a struggling playwright yeah and while i'm the struggling actor and he saw me do a uh this one production i think it was a wonderful ice cream suit ray bradbury's show which uh-huh. was which was pretty successful in yeah. chicago at the time it's 19 we're talking 1973 wow now wait, see now let me ask you something. Yeah. So because back then, because you know he's a guy that's like he's he's uh, whatever he fancies himself, he does say you know we were all Democrats once, but you know he seems to like have shifted into this character as an older man with a lot of swagger and a lot of alpha ness. But it seems like back then he wasn't quite that, was he? No, no. I, but I don't think any of us were that. We weren't of course really that political about right. it. I mean, I mean, look, I did hair in the sixties. Right, mean, but he was, seemed I like was, a softer guy. He was. Yeah. No, I think he. I definitely think he was. But yeah. but. I, He'd have to be to you know, sure, address that. Gets old. I, I, yeah. I, you know, I can't speak for him, but right. whatever. But yeah. but yeah, in fact, when I first met him, I can remember people often ask me, how did you first meet David? Because yeah. you had this long relationship. I said, as I recall, I was coming to the Goodman's <laughs> Theater to go say, 
this was like at the school at the school i yeah. came to maybe see a teacher or right something. yeah yeah and, and and you have to go down these long stairs because it was, it was at the art institute which is below ground right uh, over on michigan avenue there so i'm coming down and i see this guy coming up and, I, and it was fairly natalie dressed i remember he kind of had a had nice scarf right scarf coat hat looking like yeah. sharp yeah <laughs> no way dressed like i would be right you know? right <laughs> and he stops me he goes hey i saw you that play you were in an ice cream suit i really thought you were great i'm a playwright uh i love you and i will have to work together sometime i'm thinking yeah great who the hell are you you know <laughs> right and uh sure pal and as it turns out yeah he writes this play called sexual perversity in chicago sure, big and play. it turns out he goes to the organic theater and and Stuart gordon who was our producing director yeah. loved the play and decided yeah we'll do it now this was at the summertime when our normal season at the organic was over and during the summer everybody would go do what they needed to do right but they they, they had enough money to just mount this play because it didn't take much money i had been hired to be the understudy for lenny and Julian Barry's play Lenny, which is going to be at the at the legit theater in Chicago. Yeah. So I was going to be making like three hundred a week, right? As opposed to seventy five dollars with the organic, right? So they asked, cause so Mamet wanted me to play the one part in it, but I said, and again, I didn't know what the hell he was, but I'm saying he was nobody, right? But I but I liked the play. I read it. And I went, oh, I like it, but I, I'm I, hey, I'm making three hundred understudying Lenny. I can't <laughs> right, do yeah, it. Yeah. So to this day, so if I had a look at my regrets, was like I could have done the. World premiere of that. Of that. It, I mean, it only it did what it did, and it went on. You know, nothing came of that particular production. But still, I would like to have done it. That was his first big one. First big one. But thank God he didn't forget me. Yeah. Because then what happened is, a life in the theater, which is another one of his plays. Yeah. The world premiere of that, he came to me to do in Chicago with Mike Nussbaum, who's another one of the actors who worked with him a lot. Yeah. Who's now in his nineties, uh, still working in Chicago. Uh, he had, it's a two, two-hander and yeah. he asked us to do it and we did and so Mike and I did the world premiere of that and then Dave would always call me to like do whenever there was uh, like the, the library would want him to do excerpts of some of his stuff especially because now in New York his stuff was starting to get some play in New York Were you direct, was he directing? no he wasn't directing back so then it, it just, it just like, he would write the plays and, and who like, directed him? uh like Greg Mosier, oh with, yeah, with, with he did Glengarry. Yeah, Mosier did a lot of stuff with Mammoth. He did right? Life in Theater. Did, yeah, he yeah. did Glengarry. Right. Yeah, he did. Uh, I think he did the movie too. He did uh, American Buffalo. I think he did. Oh, American uh, Buffalo. Yeah, but different people would direct his stuff. Uh, so he, so okay. So he does. You do those two plays with him, and then he moves to New York. Yeah, his all of a sudden, he, all of a sudden, he starting to get some attention in New York. Life in the theater, off Broadway yeah, as well. Right. Then this uh, American Buffalo. With right. Robert Duvall does well. He uh, Duvall was teaching the original. Yes, he was did the original. Robert huh. Duvall did yeah. the original. Yeah, Pacino did did it later. So by now, David was getting a rep. You know. Yeah. Sure. So anyway. I in the meantime now I'd moved to California. I came out here. I'd for I'd, what? Well, I'd gone to sh- I'd go, I, we we the organic theater. We yeah. toured out to California. We came out here in the like late fall, early winter, uh-huh. and I saw what the weather was like. And I'd already <laughs> been to Italy on a European <laughs> yeah, tour with the right. organic. And I'm thinking, yeah. you know what? I'm done with Chicago. I'm done. With, I'm 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 my chromosomes are Mediterranean. Yeah. I'm not staying <laughs> yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, right. So I convinced my wife we should just come out here. And even if we're not working, with the whole hang at the beach. Yeah. So we're out here for a little while. I'm doing this, that. We're doing plays out here. Dennis Franz and I, Meshach, we did. We remounted our production of Cops from uh-huh. Chicago out here. We did Bleacher Bums out here. Bleacher Bums ran out here for 10 years. Wow. It was one of the longest running waiver plays in L.A. history. That's crazy. Yeah, it ran for ten, from 1980 to 1990. It ran out here. Anyway, so I, I did it for about... I did it about a year and a half uh-huh. here, out here. 
But anyway, but you doing movies? You doing TV yet? Or who? Damn it, you. Me? No, a little bit parts. Yeah, I do a little bit here. You like know, two what? lines here. Yeah. Soap. I did the show Soap. I did eight episodes of the show Soap playing Juan One. I played Gregory Sierra's, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, sidekick. That's great. I what did all I... these little bit. It was fun. I, I was doing all right. I was making. You know, you'd make, you'd work, you'd go on unemployment. You know, then you get another job, go back on unemployment. But you're doing like you're doing one bit. You're doing little bit parts on it looks little like bit a parts. lot of things. Exactly. But then I get the call from Mamet. Yeah. Saying, look, I wrote this play. Looks like they're gonna. Hopefully take it to Broadway, but yeah. at least we're going to open it in Chicago at the Goodman. Yeah. I'd like you to play this part. And I didn't know that's all he told me. So uh-huh. he says, I'm going to send you the script. So I'm living out here in a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> with my wife. He sends me the script. I look at it. It's all about real estate. It's yeah. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. I don't know dick about real estate yeah. because I never lived in a house. Right. To this, I mean, at that point in my life, still, the first house I lived in was the one I bought. The one you're now? And ultimately, well, I've gone through a few since, but <laughs> yeah, the first yeah. one I bought, that yeah. was it. So- uh I didn't understand it, leads and right, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. So I, I, I read it and I didn't quite understand it. So he calls me the next day, goes, what did you think of the play? So I lied. I said, oh, you know, Dave, I didn't really get to it yet. I'm going to read it definitely today. Yeah. And I figured I better find out what this is about. So right. I'm calling up guys like, uh, I said, what do you know? What's a lead? What's a this? What's a, you know, you what's a mortgage? Who, who what's escrow? What the hell is this stuff? So now I start to figure it out. And You're I realize, calling what, grownups that you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> People you know. Yeah, exactly. Them? Adults. <laughs> So now I got a general idea of what he's talking about. So then I think, well, I look at my wife and say, what do we got to lose? Well, yeah. well, let's go. It's nothing else. It's a free trip to Chicago. We'll hang out if the show's a flop. We'll See the family. Cool. See the family. Yeah. So we go to Chicago. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, rather than- Which guy did you play? Ricky Roma. Oh, yeah. You know, the guy. The slick guy. The slick guy. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. Uh we do it in Chicago. That's a great part for you. Oh, well. I, we, I'm we, just telling you. No, you didn't tell, know that. Yeah, well, I figured it out. <laughs> because we get to New York, next thing I know, I get nominated for a Tony Award. Yeah. I win the Tony Award. The play wins the Pulitzer Prize. Wow. And so, in one f- swell foop, my career, my 15 years of like, yeah, goes kaboom. I get skyrocketed up here. Yeah. And that's that's, and that's why that's I that's why you have the eight by ten at Mammoth hanging over my bed. <laughs> Thank Mammoth every because, day. Because uh but I tell you this guy's been nothing but honest with me, straight shooter, because because no, so here I'm doing this part, right? Yeah. Now I do it on Broadway for a year. Yeah. We tour it and I go tour it for six months with Peter Falk. He plays Shelley Levine on the tour. Oh great. Which is that part. And we had a great time. Tour this is like nineteen. Oh, Peter Falk, you got to know him, huh? Oh, uh, we were like this. I, I got him his star. That's another story. I got him his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. How really? I gave the speech for him. I had to put. It's next to mine. I had them put it next to mine because he never gotten. They offered it to him back, you what, know, Columbo a million days? years ago. Yeah. But Peter was that guy, like, you know what I mean? He, he never bothered. You got to follow through. You got to pick the day. You got to go. You got to. He didn't like do he it. Give a shit. So when he he died. And I was one of the last people. His wife only really allow, allowed me and maybe one other person to see him yeah. near the end. Yeah, we were we were that close. What happened? What, what do you have? He he started to get Alzheimer's. He oh, started oh. to get dementia. Oh, I mean, oh, and, yeah. and 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 I and, and a lot of, there was some talk that it would have been he he had, he had had some dental work done and the anesthesia really he was never really the same after that. No kidding. Yeah, because it yeah. came on really quick. Uh, but anyway, I loved him to death. He's great. I just loved him to death. Just yeah. a great human being. But we did, we did that play together. Uh, so now I've done I've done the play now on Broadway, six months touring with Peter. Mm. While I'm on tour with Peter, Mamet comes into my dressing room on the road, 
and he's carrying, he used to carry this little mail bag, like a mail sack with yeah. stuff in it. Yeah. He, he says, I want to tell you something. He was always, always blunt, yeah. as you probably realize. You were never That's something him. he always had. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he doesn't beat around the bush. Right. <laughs> he says to me, he goes, I got to tell you something. I just had a meeting today. They're making the movie of Glengarry Glen Ross. You ain't doing it. Uh, Pacino's already attached. Now, you got to understand, too, Pacino had been offered to play before I was, mm-hmm. but it turned it down because back then it was a new play and yeah. he had a lot going. And I think they offered it to De Niro next. He turned it down for the same reason. Thank God Mamet back then said to the producers, we're not going through every well-known Italian guy yeah. in Hollywood. Now yeah. I got my picks. And that's why we had all no-name guys in that original Broadway production. Yeah, God right. bless them. Yeah. But anyway, so now he tells me, you're not doing a movie. And I'm like, okay, Dave. Like, yeah. you know, hey, Carol Channing didn't right. do Hello, Dolly either. <laughs> I get it. Right. But he reached in his mailbag and pulled out two scripts. And one was for the movie Think, House of Games. Oh, yeah. And one was for the movie Things Change. Yeah. And he laid them on my dressing room table. He said, I won't make these two movies without you. And, and those were both lead roles. Wow. And what do you say? Of course, at the time, I didn't know that I was going to do them. That yeah. We did do them, but we wound up, of course, doing them. Yeah. But what do you say? Like, thank you, man. And yeah. it's like, wow, that's the king of dimensions. I mean, <laughs> how, 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 you know, how righteous can you be? Like, I'm, I'm going to give you the bad news, but here's the good news, uh-huh. which to my mind made more than made up for it. I would have loved, to, of course, to have done the movie, Glengarry, but... Uh, you know, that's the way the trip It was fall. interesting because, you know, I don't, I wonder, like, because the movie Glengarry Glen Ross was a pretty big movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but like those other two movies, they must have been about the same, really, in terms of popularity, right? Things yeah, but, I, I, but I wasn't Al Pacino. I mean, back, you know. No, no, I mean? no, I get it. But I'm saying that like all in all, it, it evened out. You, you yeah, know? whatever. Like if, I, if yeah. somebody said, would you trade doing that movie for those other two movies? No, I wouldn't have. The House of Games to me was- Yeah, and you'd already done that guy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and these are new no. guys. Like No, new guys. And House of Games actually is, um, that film is like a cult film. I mean, in Europe, in it's France- an interesting movie. They talk about, they, 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 they run that movie every once in a while in the movie theaters. That was you, was you and Lindsey Krause, right? Lindsey and, Krause, and, yeah. and Ricky Jay's in it? Uh-huh, Ricky Jay's in it. Oh, he's gone too now. Oh, huh? I know. Yeah, I was at his memorial service. Oh. Yeah, it was a great movie. It was a real cult clever movie and it was a mammoth movie. It was movie. different. Yeah, it was yeah, different. Yeah. And he directed it too. He directed, that was the first thing he directed. Now let me ask you something because he said something earlier. If it's on the page, it's on the stage. Yeah. Now is that a mammoth thing? No. Hmm. No, no, no. I don't think so. Did you learn anything from him? Because like I always like, you know, there was always some, he, yeah. he has a very interesting approach to theater and you know, I talked to him about it because I'm not sure I agree with it. But <laughs> Oh no, I agree. I, I understand what you're saying because I don't necessarily agree with well, a lot of what he says either because what he's saying and I get at least from my opinion it's true because, but only because it applies to him. So, in other words, when he says something like, "All you got to do is say the words," right? Yeah, in your in your case, that's probably true because you're you are master of writing the words. Right. A lot of guys don't write that good. Yeah. And so you got to sometimes got to f- massage that or finesse that well, or hopefully right. bring well, something more to the dance. I think I talked to him about it. My feeling was is that the the idea was like you know anybody can do this. You know, if you just read, just do the words. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, no. It's not, there's more to it than that. But yeah, but I think what if you cast it right though, oh, yeah. that, that that's that's true. that's that's, that's, that's true. the key. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think maybe he's not adding that little, you know. No, I it just I remember he had the school, with, and I I went my well, first wife, uh, you know, was in the school. You know, I read I his books. I and I like you know, and I, I the Atlantic is what I'm talking right, about. Right, right, right. And you know, there are guys that are just gifted, and the, the truth right. of the matter is, you know, like. It, whether you go by the system or not, if you can act, you can act. Right. You but know, see, but with his form of writing, there was no room for improv. You don't no, change a word this, that, and the other. So it's a different ball game than even working with, like, I've done movies for Woody Allen, for Barry Levinson. But both of them 
are give you a little more room. Oh, absolutely. Huh. They give you all the room in the world. Fact, oh, really? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, it's like uh, so. It's like you, you're honoring the playwright's vision here, and that, that's the job. Well, be, well, it, yeah, and, and yeah. I, in fact, I remember Woody Allen's case. I was doing his movie, and I was so used to working for Mammoth, where it's it's like it's like a, a, a composer. Yeah. Some guys write the music a certain way and say play play right play the notes. Yeah. You know, which yeah. I get. Other guys will say, "Okay, this is the the score. Feel free to to you know, yeah, jump around yeah, if yeah. you want." So I was doing a, the first step. My first, I did two Woody Allen pictures. Well, Alice? The first one, Alice was the first, and it was one of the first days on it. Yeah. And all I wanted to do is I saw the line, and it was like something like, "I cannot." Yeah. And I wanted to say, "I can't." Yeah. So I said to Woody, I said, "Look, can I instead of saying I cannot, do you mind if I say I can't?" And I, he had that look on his face <laughs> like I was like nuts, like, oh, "Of course, say say whatever you will say. I don't care, you know." Like, of course, if you went too far, he'd say, "Go back to the script." Yeah, right. But it made me realize, okay, it's not everybody's right, you know, right. like this. Just, and the same yeah. thing with Barry Levinson, he would let me do improv. Which movie? What stuff. movie is that? I did a couple. I did uh, uh, Bugsy, and I did Liberty Heights. Oh, he did Bugsy. Uh huh. Wow, yeah, wonderful director. And that was Warren Beatty's Bugsy? Warren Beatty's Bugsy. I played George Raft. Oh, that's right. The actor. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That was a good movie, I think. Very, I thought it was a great movie. Are you friends with Dave now? Mammoth? Yeah. Oh, very close. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He gave my, when I got my star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, he he, uh, he gave the speech for me along with the three-star Marine general. I had to do it because I wanted, I wanted to balance out my kind of connection with a the military. three-star Marine? Uh, yeah. A buddy of yours? Yeah. Because you didn't weren't in the military. No, you? no, no, I wasn't. But, I, but, but, but I kind of not that I feel guilty about it. But yeah. I dodged that bullet because I had a high draft number during yeah. the Vietnam War. Uh-huh. And then uh, a lot of my family was in the military. And uh, once I started doing that Memorial Day concert, uh, a lot of it just came home to me because I've 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 been to a lot of military hospitals yeah. and visited a lot of these guys. And I think, Jesus, you know, when I was twenty, I had. Two legs, two arms, two eyes, sure. and, and I've, I've lived a pretty good life. Some of these guys fought in conflicts that yeah. people have forgotten sure. why we were there, and yet these guys got to live like this the rest of their life, and that you know that that changes yeah. you a little. Yeah. So uh, that's what that was about. Well, that's uh, well, it's good that you do that. It's like a service you do. A well, service. everybody's got a hot button, you know sure. what I mean? Whatever yeah. it may be. So now, like, I mean, you've been in a million movies. Like, you know, when I, when you were coming over here, like, I, I, I realized that, like, you're one of those guys that's sort of been ever-present seemingly my entire life. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's what happens when those, those years start clicking by, you but know? You've, like, it's, it's sort of astounding. Like, you, you've done big movies, done little movies. Yeah. You just keep working. I, you know, to me, it's always, it's a blue-collar job being an actor. I mean, is it? I never, for me, it is. I mean, I... I Look, I'm Cranston's not, I, I the don't same mean way, to, you know, Cranston, who? Cranston. Brian Cranston, yeah. Well, he feels that way. He's sort of a, a, a yeah, proletariat I mean, kind of if guy. I read something and I like it, yeah. I think I could bring something to it or it registers something in my head like, yeah, let me, let me, it might be fun to do this. Why not? Why so not? How, how many weeks? Yeah. What's the money? Where is it? Yeah. I've shot films in Europe that when the agent says, you got this offer to do this film in Italy. I go, great, I'll read it on the plane. I yeah. mean, I'm, I said yes before <laughs> I even heard what the title was. Because you're going to be in Italy? Because I thought, really? Well, you know, how bad could it be? Well, who cares? You know what I mean? And literally, out of the, I probably the five movies in Italy, I think yeah. I've seen three of them. And the other two, I don't even know the titles of. Who cares? Uh, yeah. You know, it's so like that's really the, the deal. You go for the experience sometimes, of yeah. course. 
you know. Well, not everybody feels that way. Some people manage their career like it's a goddamn garden. Well, God bless them. You yeah. know, I, you know, I can't, that's not me. You know what I mean? I, for me, I look over here. If the door opens, I'll try to walk through it. You Why know? not? If it's closed, let me see if there's an open door over here. Right. So it just it really is about like how much time. Where's it going to be? Uh, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't want to hopefully do stuff that you're going to be embarrassed about. Have I mean, you sometimes done any it of happens. That? That, of course. <laughs> Oh, but 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 you don't find out. Sometimes you don't know that till later. Yeah. Because you see the finished product and you go, oh Jesus, what was I thinking? Right. But then but then you have to say to yourself, now wait a minute. At the time I made that decision, yeah, th- it seemed like a good idea. At the right. Time, yeah. For whatever sure. reason. But you've worked with big guys, like you oh, know, yeah. you work with big directors. Oh, the biggest Coppola. I've worked with Coppola. I'm the, you know, I'm the one Godfather that nobody likes. Yeah. Well, you know what's uh, ironic yeah. though with that? Yeah. When I meet some young people, I'm, yeah. when I'm saying young people, meaning anybody, through, yeah. anybody under forties, young people. To me. Right, those who are wouldn't grow up with the Godfather trilogy yeah. and maybe just see them randomly and out of order. Mm. I'll have people like in their twenties or thirties say to me, "Hey, man, yeah, I finally got around to see them Godfather movies. And eh, number three, that's my favorite." I'm thinking, really? Wow, you know, good. But it's like, okay, because they're they're coming at it maybe from another angle. They're coming at it from without any preconception of like knowing how great those first two were and there wasn't an 18 year gap and a lot of expectation well what was it what what was the thing uh, the scene around that yeah i mean what, what how what was the casting uh, what was the feeling there was it? a whole i mean it was a lot of strange things about that i mean the, the, you know winona Ryder was originally on the film yeah and then she dropped out like last second oh sophia's part. and that's what caused sophia yeah. to come into it yeah and and i and I, I don't doubt that a lot of it had to do with Francis also going, still going through a period of grieving over the his death of his son. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's true. Yeah. And so in a way, I think for him, it was a time of, of bringing his whole family together because in Italy there was, his mother was there, his father was there, his, his, his nieces, his nephews, mm. his son, his, his other son, yeah. his daughter, now his daughter was visiting yeah. from art school. So it was almost like, it seemed like serendipitous that all this kind of, it became the, the, Almost like a movie unto itself, the uh-huh. family thing. Yeah, over right. here, the real. He's family. always been big around that, though. Yeah, yeah. And God bless him. He, to me, he, he he's entitled to it. He sure. deserves it. Sure. I mean, if he wants, if that's the way he wanted it to be, then so be it. He's the that that's where those are the times when it does cross over. It is an art form, and yeah. it's like, and he is the artist, especially mm. in a movie. The director is, mm. you know, the buck stops with that guy. Yeah, I mean, it's so his vision, you know, takes the and, and you know. But what happened to the movie? I don't know. I mean, it, it is it is what it is. I mean, I, I just think I think perhaps in many ways the expectations were yeah. were so high there was no possible way you're going to equal it, equal people's expectations. Yeah, and also, like, how do you age that guy? How do you age Michael? You know, I mean, Pacino at that point, I mean, he did all right, but it was a nebulous thing. Yeah, and also, the, you know, Robert Duvall was in it up until like a couple of weeks before we started shooting. He, he, and I mean, huge in it. Yeah. But they couldn't make the deal. And I mean, part of it was, and again, it gets oh, no down to, Duvall had won the yeah. Oscar for Best Actor like the year before or something. And I think basically they were offering him short cash. And I think his attitude was, well, wait a minute, yeah. I should be right up there. Right, know? right. And so for whatever reason, Duvall decided not to do it. And you can't, you know, within a few weeks of shooting, you can't all of a sudden make major changes yeah, to a script. Oh, well, that's, well, that explains a lot. I mean, yeah. that explains a lot. But it's okay. My feeling is, it, hey, it is what it is, and so it, it, it holds up as part of the that you know part three of that trilogy. And I don't think there'll be a fourth one, but you never no. know. There could be. Yeah, I guess. But you like, know. but you do like it's so amazing because you do like you'll do TV movies, you do all the movies, you play Dean Martin. You oh, play- I loved yeah, loved doing that. Well, the thing is, I don't care about the the uh, venue. My yeah. feeling is, uh, 
it all first of all it all winds up on a, on somebody's phone anyway right. ultimately <laughs> yeah so i mean what the hell do i care i mean back then it was a big deal when i first started in a business you were either a stage actor yeah. a tv actor or a movie actor right now and just... never the twain shall meet right now it's all over the place yeah in fact most of your big movie stars came out of probably streaming or from <laughs> come on well it's true i mean yeah. you know think about it all the big stars are are, are, are got that way because the, the the little boys and girls i mean the young saw people them. i yeah. mean they they created yeah, yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, even you talk about Johnny Depp and those guys like that. Uh, they started doing little bits on TV and stuff like that. That would have never happened back in oh, the 21, Oh, 21 Jump Street. 50s. That yeah. was like Johnny Depp. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying right. the young people create who they want to be stars, and they, and they can get it off of a show that's maybe, well, you see what's yeah. happening with streaming now and stuff. Uh, but there's some guys like I mean you know Brad Pitt was on yeah a lot of guys started on TV back in the day yeah. and made the graduation but I see what you're saying some like there's a whole world of actors I don't know who they are and the kids know who they are oh absolutely and that's you know, that's just the way time works no no and it all and the social media has made it so like depending on how many followers you have I know, I you have want, you have power all I want to do is get off of it now <laughs> I'm on it and then you start once you get on it and you figure it out I mean I'm 56 and I'm like all right I, I fought to sort of find a place on it but now I'm like I don't want no to I, know. I don't I don't I don't look at it. I mean, I have, I have, I keep it up because other, there was a guy that was impersonating me because I didn't know. Um, which which one do you do? Twitter. I don't. I don't look at him. My assistant does. He okay. does the Twitter and yeah. he does Instagram. His, I guess Twitter, okay. Instagram, Facebook. I probably have them all. I don't have Facebook, but I, I really don't do them because right. I, I email and I call people. That's yeah. all I can do. It's all I can handle. No texting. But, I text. Okay. Oh, you, I got kids. You got to text. Otherwise, they'd never hear from me. Or I'd never hear from them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the other thing is, I, I, I mean, I think it's okay. It's, I mean, social media has become this. It's a, but what I don't like about it is it gives everybody like an equal voice. And it used to be, you had to earn that. You know, it makes us all very accessible. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. but I had to get it because a guy was impersonating me and it really cost me money to get him off. In other words, he he, he had opened On up. On Twitter? A, whatever it was. Yeah. Because some the way no, I found out was that, my yeah. stand-in came up to me and says, "Hey, I donated to your charity." I go, "What charity?" He goes, "The one you have online or the Facebook." Or oh, whatever. Fuck. I says, "I don't have that." Yeah. And then I turned out a guy was because I, I hadn't gotten it. He created it. And how do you? You had to get someone. Yeah, to get somebody to get it off and make mine the original. You know, the, uh, the what they call the, the verified guy, one. Did, and, yeah, right. Did the guy get uh, punished? No, no. He just has did to how stop. How much did he scam people? I have for? no idea because oh, I don't know how long it, it lasts. I don't think very long. Yeah. But my assistant, who's been with me for nineteen years, yeah, he's very good, and so at least. Well, we we use it as a as a, a form to just be able to inform, like, hey, Criminal Minds is going to be back on, blah 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 blah. Or I get it. I'm yeah, doing yeah, this yeah. for the military on this date, da, da, da. but I'm not there every day. Personally, not at all. I'm not saying, oh, by the way, I had like a sandwich this morning, and yeah. and my dog just beat no, I me. I get it. I get it. That yeah. stuff makes me. I can't yeah. even. Yeah, you know, it, it, who needs to know that? That's right. But also, people get obsessed with that. They, they, you know, it, it it attaches to the narcissism that we all have yeah. as people, and the, and then it's your whole day. No, you put something exactly. up. You see who people responded. You put another thing right. up. You see how they responded. You go over to the other platform. You put something up. Right. See how that's no, going. No, no, no. And it's like half your day. No. And I, and I, and I really look. I'm in a public profession, and I don't shun anybody that's the one thing i will i'll go out in the street people see me hey joe how are you doing? Yeah. can we take a picture you must be that guy hey, people love you they must well, do. you know it's harder to say no for me than to just say sure come on we'll take a picture as yeah, opposed yeah, to going yeah. no no no, no. I, you got to do five minutes i, agree with you. I don't I take agree pictures with you. Yeah, i don't yeah, want yeah. to yeah, and, yeah. and you know you put your collar up with sunglasses pretend you're somebody yeah, else yeah, yeah, please yeah. you know sometimes them, when you're eating or something you 
with somebody. Well, sure, but as long as they're doing it politely. <laughs> yeah, they you're sitting there eating. They'll just just one. They stick their head in. And yeah, they do the thing. Like, they usually right. don't. Maybe because they've seen some of the characters I play, they figure maybe it's not a good idea yeah, to push fuck, me too far. Don't fuck you with know? that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, for ninety nine point nine percent of the people are very polite. And and look, I'm, without them, I don't you know I don't have the I've, life I I've, live, and I've, I've had a pretty good life. Yeah, for sure. Now now okay, so this fifteen years on a show, buddy. Is that how long you were on it? I was on 13, 13. seasons. The show's about 15 seasons. So this is your 13th year, and this is the end of it? This is the end of it. We shot the last the 10 episodes. The end of Criminal Minds. It's yeah. over. January 8th, they'll start the, the, the first of the 10. David uh, Rossi. David Rossi. Now, how's that? I mean, how does that feel? I mean, is this a sad thing? or? You... Well, I mean, it, it's bittersweet. I mean, because, you, first of all, we all really liked each other, especially at that, that, that the last eight of us that were together. We yeah. really had a, it really gelled. We really had a nice thing going. Everybody yeah. really got along. We had some that had been there a long time, some that were new. Yeah. It was a nice mix. And uh, so it was somewhat bittersweet. But look, I, I didn't kid myself. Like I've been, like I say, I've been doing this for 50 years. So I, 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 if nothing else, you know the, the business is transitory. Yeah. It's like nothing lasts forever. Right. And this one happened to last a lot longer than, and I, look, I've been Fat Tony on The Simpsons for 30 years. Yeah. So that's my longest running role. Uh, that, yeah. yeah and, that, and that must, like. I'm still th doing that. I do, I'm doing one next week. But so like, just on a residual situation, you're doing good. You'll well, be all right. Not, not from The Simpsons. Simpson, my residuals, I could take you to lunch. Because, really? Well, that's because I, I'm, I'm not one of the not main guys right, there. Right, right, right. But I, I love the character. Yeah. And they, they've they've treated me well. They write well for my character. I'll yeah. only do like two or three episodes That's a fun, season. yeah. It's fun. And and I think they say I've, I've done the most guest shots of any of the, of the characters. So I, I was on one. pride in that. I was on one. Were you? Yeah, I played As myself. You? Oh, yeah. great. Yeah, and I interviewed Krusty. Uh, Oh great! Yeah. Well, when I do the one next week, I'm going to say we got to get one back. You know, yeah, get us get, together. Yeah, me and you. Yeah, yeah Fat Tony. Yeah. yeah, have Mark Marin do a podcast yeah, with Fat Tony. Could be great. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, but but uh, but uh, you know, 13 seasons was. Um, uh, I, I I I love doing it, and I, if they if they would have told me, look, we're going to do more, I would have done more and not blinked. It wasn't like, oh man, am I glad this is over? I'm tired of it. But on the other hand. It's it's over, and yeah. uh, so it's time to- It's know, a two-hour premiere? The premiere's two hours, and then we'll do an, a single hour up until the final two episodes, and that'll be a two-hour finale. Oh, wow. Sometime in February. I, and it's good season? You like it? Yeah. You I mean, shot it all? We, we shot it all. Yeah. What's nice is we sh we finished like in March, and so yeah. I don't even remember right. a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's going to be new to me, like, oh, yeah, it is weird that's like what that. it's about, you know? I, 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 you know I, I'm sort of new to it, but like I did a series for on Netflix for, uh, called Glow, and like you know, you get done shooting it, and yeah, I did all ten episodes, and I'm like, I don't remember what I don't know what that was about. Yeah. And then he comes on, you're like, oh yeah, that's yeah. it. That's but, how that but, but those the public out there, they are some. There are some people who are so into it. Yeah. And and, and our fan base of Criminal Minds is is if anything, it's even bigger internationally. Oh yeah. Because there's less product for them. I mean, right. They don't, they don't get everything. Right. But the things that they 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 gravitate to, they do a big way. So like when I, they send us out for publicity tours, like all over the all over the world. Yeah. And I've been to like France and Germany and Italy and Monaco, and and I remember in France, this one yeah. one writer comes up to me, goes, "Do you have any idea how popular you are in France? <laughs> you are the number one show in France." I'm like, "Really?" And it was this was like season nine or yeah. something. Like, okay, great. So you're big in France. Good to know, big in France. Yeah, you know. And like, did you find that's true when you go to France? Do people? I yeah. Well, you you find it wherever. I mean, I'll be I'm walking on the street in Venice or whatever, and somebody yeah. will say, "Hey, David Rossi," or whatever like that. Is that sure. mostly what they recognize you for? 
Now, yeah, yeah, but it depends. If if I see a guy that looks a little whacked out, it's yeah. going to be either it probably airheads. Yeah, like, yeah. hey man, yeah, I love yeah, airheads, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Or it might be somebody who's of a certain age that come up to me and say, "I grew up watching Baby's Day Out. We watched it with my my, my dad and mom for you know ten times." Oh yeah. Or or could be if it's a, if it's a hip if it's a guy like my age, it might be, yeah. "Hey man, Dean Martin, I love that." Oh you know? yeah, yeah. So it depends on the it depends on the crowd. Yeah. But uh, and Godfather too, you'll get a lot of Joey's house, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it really depends. But Criminal Minds probably giving me the most FaceTime. But and same thing with even uh, Simpsons, Fat Tony. Sure. You got their, their people. Oh yeah, that's, and so they know that yeah. I am that voice. So if yeah. they see me, I've had I had one guy run up to me, lift up his shirt. Yeah, he's got Fat and Tony. He's, he's got a Fat Tony tattoo, <laughs> huge on his arm. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, I've got to make sure this guy's not following me. <laughs> yeah, that's when you're, and you're not stopping. No, you know, you, what, you retire? What, what am I going to do, golf? Like Franz. See, Franz like could golf? do that. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, he loves it. He loves you golf. I do. I, I actually do. I'm a member of a, of a, of a, of a golf club, and, and uh, but I don't play. I probably eat there more than I golf there, but I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice way to just get out. Be, yeah. You know, I never, I've never really tried it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, thank God I don't take it seriously. Yeah, and then what about directing? I like directing. In fact, I'm supposed to direct this film in next spring, which is very interesting because mm-hmm. it's, it's a comedy based on when Frank Sinatra Jr. was kidnapped. Back oh, in the sixties, yeah. But this, it's a comedy in the sense that it's it's like a black comedy. It's absurd yeah. because th- even though it's based on a true story, yeah. it was kind of absurd. The guys who did it were like nuts. Yeah, they were, right. They were yeah, wacky. Kinda, yeah. And it's seen through the eyes that. of them. Oh, and it's kind of cool. And 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 it's actually it, it's not disrespectful to junior or senior in the sense that it shows that there was a little tension between the two of them, of which course, there was. Yeah. But. In a way, there's a sweetness about it, how it gets resolved. So I really like the script. So uh, they came to me because you know I directed I directed like nine episodes of uh, Criminal Minds, and I also directed a mammoth play into a movie called Lake Boat. Many so years you, ago. so you got some chops now. I got some. I, I like to think I do, yeah. and, and I felt good about the episodes I directed of Criminal Minds. Yeah. And enough for these producers. I mean, I didn't seek this out. They came to me and said, "We we think you're the right guy for this movie." Nice. And I read the script. I said, uh, "Yeah." And then uh, and then I shot a pilot for Amazon. Mm. And the reason I like that is I I, I have two daughters. You, but my you, own, you directed it. I, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm acting in it. Oh, okay. But it's it, it's 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 the tentative title. It's already running in Israel. It's had run in Israel called On the Spectrum, and it's about these three young people who are all on the autism spectrum. Uh-huh. They all live together. This is based on an Israeli show. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And but Jason Kadams is, wrote it, uh-huh. who's created Parenthood and created uh-huh. Friday Night Lights. Wonderful writer. Yeah. And I read the script. Now, I, my oldest daughter has autism. Uh-huh. She's 32. So when I read the script, I just thought it was a beautiful script. I really mm. thought it was great because it's got humor, yeah. but it's drama too. It's like it's like you think of a good doctor, which is I think is a good show, but but not they don't people on the spectrum don't all become surgeons. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. what happens to the ones that are just like having sure. to live their life? Right, and that's what this is kind of about. Oh, that's sweet. And so. Uh, I, I I did that pilot, so we're going to wait to hear if that gets picked up. Uh, and you play the father. I play the father of the lead the, the lead boy. Oh, so that's something close to your heart. And very it's, close to my heart. And it's something that brings awareness. Very much so. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and also, all the people, many of the people involved are on the spectrum oh, themselves. And yeah. they, and that they reached out to me about perhaps having my daughter work in the makeup department because she actually has a strong interest in that and actually went to makeup school. Oh, that's great. Years ago. Oh, so I yeah. mean, they're sensitive to that. Yeah. So I, I like the whole. You know everything about it, and I like Jason very much. He's a gentleman, and I know he has a son on the spectrum, and and so everything seemed right about it. 
So again, you got to trust. You got to trust your gut feeling that one these Yeah, things. but that sounds great. Oh, it does. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. And if it doesn't go, it doesn't go. And you know, well, who knows what I do? All right. Well, man, you'll. I'm sure you'll do something. Yeah, I'll do something. It was great talking to you. Same here. I'm gonna have to see the Lenny Bruce thing. So you told him to get naked at the beginning. That's what we can expect. I told him I want you naked on, on the a, toilet, and then we, that's how we open the play. You open up. You, As you, a dead guy. He, well, he he's dead. He opens up his eyes, looks in the audience, and says. I was found dead, naked on the toilet in 19... Da, 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 da. Yeah. But before I get to that, <laughs> and then, he, then we start to play. And then he gets dressed? And then he starts getting dressed. As, as he gets dressed, he starts talking. He starts <laughs> telling about... Eh, man, oh, man, man. that's... No, it. you got to see. You, you especially got to see. Well, it. you say hi to that guy, and we'll try to figure it out. Yeah, please do. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. That's it. That's our show. His show. Joe's show. Uh, Criminal Minds is on its 15th and final season. It airs Wednesday nights and it's streaming on CBS All Access. And the two-hour series finale uh, is on February 19th. That's when it airs. Um, I guess I should go to a chiropractor. I don't know. I think I'm falling apart. I'm sorry I have a cold. I'm sorry I sound stuffed up. I'm sorry if I'm discombobulated. I'll be back on top of it shortly. I'll probably talk to you from uh, Atlanta next. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for all of my tour dates. Okay? You can do that. And now I will play some echoey, somewhat sub-Saharan flavored, flavored music. Yeah. Is that, what I, is that the word I want?